Hey, my fellow alums, welcome to this week's episode of the Talking Alum Podcast. This week's guest is Scott Stockdale, and he's been podcasting for a little bit and is at the point where he's looking to outsource some of his things and processes to a virtual assistant or VA. So uh, he shares how that process is going so far, and also we talk about the benefits and the necessity of if you're going to use music to have it be royalty-free so you don't have any copyright infringement. So hang tight. This is an awesome episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Talking Llama Podcast, the podcast for podcasters. Thanks for stopping by as we discuss all things podcasting, like gear and creative processes, even marketing and promoting your brand. If you're looking to grow, monetize, or even just start your podcast, you're in the right place. The Talking Llama Podcast is here to help you tell your story to the world with confidence. Here's your host, Ian Roth. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Llama podcast. My guest today is Scott Stockdale, and Scott is a podcast host of the podcast Entrepreneurs Can Party, where he is all about introducing aspiring business owners and entrepreneurs to inspiring guests who are having fun with their business and different projects that they have going on. Scott, calling in all the way from the other side of the pond. How you doing, man? Really good. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, you've nailed it. <laughs> nailed it with the intro. Well, I can't really, uh, can't really top it with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Scott, again, what, thanks for coming on the show. So besides what I said, because I took that intro from what you gave me, so I, I applaud you for having such a thorough intro. But uh, so I guess kind of real basically, what are you talking about on your podcast? Who are you talking to and who's your target audience for it? It's um, so the target audience is typically sort of 16 to 25 year olds. So people who are maybe sort of finishing education, whether it's school or college or university, or they're kind of just about to start. So uh, kind of young people sort of in my age, I guess. And yeah, it's, it's all about kind of bringing interesting, inspiring figures onto the podcast who are either kind of going through the process of creating a business or like a creative project or who are kind of further advanced as well. So having a real mix of people and just showing that business can and should be fun. And I think it seems to have resonated with people so far. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been fun, um, which I guess is what it's all about. Yeah, totally. We have to be having fun or else it's nothing more than work or a chore. So yeah, totally. I'm glad it's fun for you. Uh, I still enjoy doing my podcast. So, so what made you start a podcast of this theme? Got to ask. Yeah, um, I've always loved listening to businessy sort of entrepreneurial podcasts. So, thinking like the likes of the Tim Ferriss Show, which I've devoured for like the last six years, and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast, and a whole bunch of other ones. And I love asking questions. I like. I'm quite nosy. I think you know. I like to kind of get under the hood of how businesses operate, you know, what is it that makes them tick? What makes the person actually running the business? What makes them sort of thrive? And being able to, yeah, just get really sort of into the nitty gritty details of business and entrepreneurship with people who are successful um, was kind of the reason I wanted to do it and to to show other people that, yeah, business, I think it has this stigma sometimes of being quite straight laced and, you know, quite serious boardrooms, that sort of thing. But actually, I'm trying to bring people onto the podcast who are actually showing that, yeah, you can have a lot of fun with your business. You know, it doesn't have to be in an office nine to five. It can be just I've had some guests who are like literally traveling around the world with their businesses, you know, shooting videos and a whole bunch of other things. So it was really just, yeah, tapping into that sort of fun side of business, which I think is kind of, yeah, 
lacking in some ways in sort of the podcast sphere. Um, so yeah, that's that's the main reason I, I decided to, to launch it. Awesome. What is, I, I just want to ask, what's like one thing that you've learned from one of your guests about business that was maybe unexpected, unexpected or kind of blew your mind? Um, one thing that has kind of jumped out, it's been kind of a recurring theme, which is quite surprising in some ways, is the different routes you can go down to actually transition out of your nine to five into your own business. So a lot of my guests have kind of just you know, jump straight into it and actually have ditched the nine to five as soon as they can and are uh, kind of figuring out as they've gone along or they've managed to figure out and the kind of where they want to be now. And then other guests have kind of taken the more sort of sort of the tortoise approach, I guess, kind of, you know, building it slowly, whether it's building a client base on the side or building a product and service on the side whilst they're still working that nine to five. And I guess it kind of just takes that pressure off a little bit. So particularly financially, you know, you're not having to depend on your your side hustle to kind of sustain you and to to pay your bills and things. And, you know, it works for some people, it doesn't work for other people. And I think I've been surprised that for some people, they are actually quite, I want to say quite risk-taking in the fact that they're very gung-ho and they're actually just going to jump into it and, yeah, figure it out. Whilst for me personally, you know, I'm trying to build my podcast kind of on the side whilst I still work the nine-to-five and ultimately, my aim is to actually do podcasting full time, but I'm trying to kind of take it the the kind of slow and steady approach. But uh, yeah, interesting just to see the different ways you can go about it, I think. That's great. And you hit the nail right on the head. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. And there are pros and cons for people to quit their job tomorrow and, and get into their side hustle full time. Or there's definitely pros and cons to taking it easy and still working the full time job as you're easing in and transitioning into your side hustle as a full-time job. So awesome, man. And uh, yeah, definitely love stuff. I love entrepreneurship. I love business. So your podcast is just freaking awesome. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So kind of getting into some more podcast techie stuff. So how long have you been doing your podcast and who do you use to host your podcast? So I've been doing this particular podcast. So I did actually have a podcast before, which was more kind of just like a hobby, just to kind of try things out, uh, kind of get to grips with interviewing people and kind of the techie side, which you've kind of alluded to. So the podcast host that I use at the moment is one called Buzzsprout, which I believe is kind of part of Pat Flynn's uh, sort of sphere, if you like. He's got some sort of stake in it. And I found them to be fantastic. Um I was using Libsyn before for my previous podcast and they were great as well, but I've had many people, many podcasters recommend Buzzsprout and for good reason, you know, they've got an amazing, really easy, intuitive kind of platform on the back end. So it's very easy to schedule episodes, really easy to write like nice looking show notes and things. And they've got a really cool affiliate marketplace as well, which even though at the moment it's not really part of my plans, uh, sort of monetizing wise, it is something which was a big draw. So they've got, I think it's three or four really uh, cool companies which they work with to help uh, podcasters kind of make money from the podcast. And one of those is Buzzsprout, which <laughs> I guess kind of makes sense. The other one is a, uh, it's quite random. I think it's like a bed company or something like that, um, which I may or may not promote. And then there's a couple of others as well. And the great thing about the marketplace is actually you don't need a certain amount of uh, downloads per episode to actually be an affiliate. You can simply jump in straight away and start promoting a product or service like Buzzsprout that you believe in. You know, you, they're a great product and a great service. 
and you can start making some money that way, whether it's through show notes, you know, putting links in your show notes or directing people to your website and then promoting a product or service that way. So yeah, lots of cool features and um, I definitely, yeah, really recommend Buzzsprout. They've been fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, I've used Buzzsprout too. Phenomenal service. And if you're, especially if you're getting into the game of starting a podcast, they make it very easy for you to set up and start using, you know, if, if you know nothing about podcasting. So Buzzsprout, awesome. Glad that you threw Pat Flynn in there because <laughs> it's like the OG podcaster, original podcaster from shoot 10 years ago now. Yeah. And he recommends them and everything he recommends is a quality, quality <laughs> product. I haven't found anything he recommends that either he doesn't use himself or is like a legitimate quality, awesome product. So yeah, Buzzsprout, awesome recommendation, man. For uh, how long are your, do your episodes tend to be? And do you see different levels of downloads, whether you have shorter or longer episodes? Um, it's really mixed on the sort of download front. And I guess actually our current sort of situation at the moment um, has probably impacted downloads to some extent, you know, people not commuting to work as often. And uh, I think generally across the board, not always, I think some po podcasts have actually improved in sort of download numbers, but I think the majority seem to have seen a slight dip. Um, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of like the sort of link between uh, podcast length and downloads, I haven't seen anything particularly sort of striking in that sense. They've been pretty level, I'd say, between uh, guest episodes, which typically for me last between sort of 40 to 60 minutes, and then solo episodes, which I do on Saturdays, typically a lot shorter, maybe sort of 15 to 20 minutes. And yeah, I'd say it's been pretty level across the board. Um, although there are obviously some episodes which have uh, been more popular than other ones, and I'm still trying to figure out why that is. I don't know if it's you know, whether it's because I've used a different title, which has, you know, been particularly sort of eye-catching to listeners or whether it's because I've had, you know, really cool guests who have uh, promoted the show more to their audiences. Lots of different factors, which I guess go into it. Um, and I'm still trying to <laughs> unpick those. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I haven't really seen a huge um, variation, which has been quite nice, actually. Okay, so about 40 to 60 for guests, interviews, and then 15 to 20 for solo. And how many episodes are you releasing every week? So I'm doing two episodes a week, um, plus a trailer episode for the uh, guest episode. And this was recommended to me by a podcaster who I've been kind of working with, uh, a man called, got to give him a shout out, Alex Chisnell, host of Screw It, Just Do It. Fantastic podcast. And it's kind of in a similar sense to mine. You know, it's bringing uh, entrepreneurs on who are doing really, really cool things, essentially. And yeah, he recommended having a trailer episode, sort of maybe one or two minutes long, really short, just to give kind of people a flavor of what they can expect from the full uh, guest episode. So yeah, I typically release the trailer episodes on Mondays and then I release the guest episode uh, on Wednesdays. So that longer 40 to 60 minute episode. And then I'll typically release the solo episode on Saturdays. And that, I think that seems to have gone down quite well, just having them spread out. And, you know, I did start initially with my old podcast, just having one episode a week. And again, that works well. It just depends how, uh, what your listeners are interested in really, you know, do they want that kind of consistency of uh, volume of episodes, you know, with it being two episodes a week, or do they prefer just actually having one episode, which is potentially less overwhelming? You know, if you're like me, you're listening to like seven or eight different podcasts from your favorite podcasters, having two episodes is a slight gamble, I guess, in some senses, but for me so far, it seems to have paid off. So I'm sticking, <laughs> sticking with the two episodes a week. Okay. And how, 
how far in advance do you record your, say your solo ones? Like, do you record that the week of release or do you have a couple kind of in the bank when you batch recording and then release them over the next couple of weeks? Um, I've tried to batch them as much as I can. Um, so yeah, for solo episodes, I typically record like a month's worth of content in a day. So yeah, if it's like 15 minutes long, it takes like a couple of hours and then I tend to edit it straight after I've recorded it just because I know from experience, those those shows can build up, particularly if you're doing two episodes a week and it can be quite overwhelming having to do like a whole like bunch, like eight episodes of editing it and it takes a long time. So um, that's typically how I've done it. Although with the, uh, with the solo episodes, I also have like a, a mini intro, which is essentially just me kind of giving some details of what's happened this week for me, you know, whether it's kind of podcasting wise, you know, if I've been to networking events, who have I met or if I've learned anything in particular, which I think will be value for the audience, or if I've got a new piece of content, which I've uh, put on my website or like a new lead magnet or something along those lines, I'll typically intro that in the episode. And again, that's really short. So have like the uh, kind of the main kind of jingle, I guess, if you like, then have the sort of three to four minute intro typically, and then kind of go into the main body of content, which has been usually pre-recorded. Um, although I suspect as I go on, I might be cutting it sort of more fine. And as I kind of go into my backlog of content, um, yeah, it might be more kind of recording on the fly a little bit. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Do you have any intro music on your podcast? I do. Yeah. Um, so I, it took me a little while to kind of put the intro together because I've used a variety of sounds in it. So the idea for me of my kind of intro is imagine like you're walking up to a house party. You can hear like a band in the distance and you're walking up the front drive. So you've got like the step sound and then the host, i.e. me, kind of swings the door open. So there's like another sound for that. And then I kind of do the spiel about what the podcast is about, who it's for, how it can help listeners. And then there's like a band playing sort of kind of fanfare music slash kind of jazzy music in the background. And then there's like a cocktail sort of vibe as well with people chatting. So putting it all together was, uh, it took a little while just to do. And I got all the sounds from a website called audiojungle.net, which I recommend to everyone. And it's really important if you're looking to use music on your podcast to have uh, royalty-free music because you don't want to get in trouble with, you know, relevant parties and stuff. And I think, to be honest, it would be unlikely, but you never know, you know, particularly if you're looking to monetize your podcast. So yeah, getting royalty-free music, um, I use audiojungle.net and typically the sounds do cost you money, but it's not like excessive amounts. I think to put my uh, intro together with like all the, I think it's three or four unique sounds. I think in total it cost me like 50, 60 pounds, something like that for the sounds. And I guess in theory, you could get away with not paying. You can just download it, but then it's got like the uh, audio jungle branding sort of blasted on the sound. So it would sound really unprofessional. Um, so yeah, that's how I've kind of put my intro together. Perfect. That's what I was going to ask you if you're using any music, if you're doing royalty free and then who you use for it. So audio jungle, I use, uh, I've used melody loops. I've had good success with them. I think they're out of Ireland somewhere, but yeah, kind of same thing and definitely agree with what you're saying here, Scott, if you're going to use music in your podcast, make sure it is royalty free because the last thing that we want for our podcasting hobby is to get like a cease and desist letter or (laughs) contacted by some attorney saying, Hey, you're using my clients copyrighted music stop, or here's a nice bill that we need you to pay. So 
100%. Awesome. Audiojungle.net. I'll have to check that one out, man. Yeah, it's, it's a great service. They've literally got thousands of sounds on there, whether it's kind of uh, just kind of, you know, normal music, you know, uh, a huge variety. They've got like African music all the way through to sort of R&B. And then if you're looking for individual sounds, you know, whether it's like people cheering or some sort of, uh, yeah, literally, literally anything. There's like, yeah, door slammings. There's, yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, definitely recommend it. Awesome. Moving over to kind of editing. Are you doing your own editing? I am at the moment, although I am in the process of uh, um, outsourcing this to a virtual assistant. So uh, yeah, I've got all the systems in place. So I know what I'll uh, be sending off to a virtual assistant once I onboard them. But at the moment, I'm yeah doing it all myself. So I use Audacity for editing. And I've had so many people say you should be using uh, um, Adobe. But for me, it's always it's always been good. And I dare say if I'm looking to kind of improve the sound quality in future episodes, then I may kind of look to upgrade. But for a free piece of software, it just does the job. And I, because I've been using it since like university, when I used to have like a university radio show, I'm so used to just, you know, working how how it works. And it does take some getting used to to begin with. But like I said, for a free piece of software, I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, which which one do you use out of interest? I use Logic Pro X, which is, I'm a Mac user, so it's like basically a buffed up GarageBand, and it's not subscription-based, so I know a lot of people like the Adobe suite of stuff. I don't use any other Adobe products, so I don't, I'm not looking to pay a subscription just for one piece of software, but Logic Pro X is awesome for me, and people have said I have good sound quality. I mean, I'm, I'm an audio snob anyway, and I try my best to make good audio quality, but fairly easy to use. There's YouTube videos explaining how to do absolutely everything in it. So it's the one I recommend to everybody. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It makes a huge difference, sound quality. And I guess if you're starting out and just kind of dipping your toe into podcasting, obviously you want a good sound, but it's not like a, uh, it shouldn't be perceived as like a barrier, you know, having lots of fancy software, but I guess, yeah, as you're looking to get more serious, having a good sound. I know I always appreciate it uh, with my podcast that I listen to. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a definite, it's a, something you to definitely consider. I've had it for probably eight years. You know, I used to do some music recording and then sure enough, as I got into podcasting the last year, like, wow, I can, there's a revival for what I can use this software for. So definitely use what you have. Don't let, you know, fancy stuff be the barrier to entry to starting podcasting. Just start it with what you got and then kind of see how it goes from there. 100%. Like, I don't know about you, Ian, but you kind of just figure things out as you go along. And like I say, there's, you know, there's YouTube videos if you're not sure how to edit something or there's Google <laughs> if you're looking to find a piece of software or something. So yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely on board with that advice. Just get started, figure it out as you go along. I wanted to pick your brain because you said you're looking to work with a VA, a virtual assistant mm. down the road or maybe in the near future. So so how did you find a VA? Are you still in the process of looking for the one? And then kind of where were you and what was the point that you realized that you needed to outsource that or you wanted to outsource that to make the best use of your time? So it's a funny one because it's not something I had really considered until probably maybe a couple of months ago. And I realized that actually, particularly when I'm doing my nine to five, like at the moment, I'm kind of between jobs. So I've got a lot of time to kind of dedicate to the podcast. But I know as soon as I jump back into a nine to five for a period of time, just whilst I kind of build the podcast up, my time is going to be so, so limited. And 
I don't know if you found this, but just like in terms of editing shows, scheduling shows, writing show notes, uh, recording episodes, finding guests, there's a whole bunch of work that goes into it, which I think uh, I didn't definitely didn't appreciate just the sheer amount of it. So I've realized that, yeah, I'm going to have to at least outsource some parts of the production process. And, you know, in order to still produce the same amount of output, you know, I'm still looking to make those two episodes a week uh, sort of in you know, infinitum. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of my reasoning. And at the moment I am, yeah, like I said, I've written or got all the systems documented and there's a fantastic YouTuber called Travis Marziani, absolutely butchering his surname, but, uh, he has been such a great, uh, resource and, you know, great knowledge. He's essentially got a business in performance nut butter, which he sells on Amazon using Amazon FBA, and he's got a whole team of virtual assistants. I think he's got maybe three or four at this point. And he has very kindly, literally documented every step that you need to hire a VA in terms of the systems you need in place, such as like onboarding a virtual assistant. You know, what should you be doing sort of on the first couple of days once you hire a virtual assistant? How do you uh, sort of interview a virtual assistant? Uh, where can you find virtual assistants? So I've been very much following his sort of uh, guidelines, I guess, in many ways. And I'm using a website called onlinejobs.ph, which is uh, based in the Philippines or the virtual assistants are based in the Philippines. And the reason Travis in particular recommends Filipinos uh, for virtual assistant work is because great work ethic and they have really good English as well. So combining those two skills and the fact their sort of hourly wage is very, very cheap because the cost of living in the Philippines is very cheap. It just makes a great sort of proposition. So that's the process that I'm kind of going through. And in terms of those systems, sort of the back end stuff, I've got like a whole uh, list of spreadsheets and each like for one spreadsheet, for example, it literally breaks down the steps uh, that I'm doing for every task. You know, so in terms of, for example, editing a podcast, what steps do I do? And it's literally like step-by-step, okay, like open Audacity, navigate to this particular file in Dropbox, upload or import the file, take out all the erms and things like that. And it's literally, yeah, bullet point by bullet point by bullet point. And it was painstakingly (laughs) uh, long to do this. It took me like a whole week just in coffee shops. Um, But I believe it'll be worth it. And actually it will save a lot of time further down the line you know, not having to go back and forth with your virtual assistant because they you haven't made your instructions clear enough. So yeah, in short, definitely recommend Travis Marziani. Uh, he is a great, great guy, a really great YouTube channel. I'd uh, definitely recommend that. Awesome. And not only by kind of really, really analyzing your step-by-step process of what you're doing, maybe you found a couple areas where you, you notice some inefficiencies and you're able to kind of work more efficient, and then communicate that to the write-up you're doing for your VA. So it might have even helped improve your process after all. Yeah, 100%. I think it definitely it definitely gets you thinking about uh, systems and structures and not just doing things on the fly, which is something I've done up until this kind of this sort of point of writing systems down. And I think it helps if you're looking to delegate or outsource your work Ideally, it's good if you've actually got an understanding of what that work is yourself, and then you can save the virtual assistant time, I suppose, for one thing, you know, if there's a particular 
issue they're struggling with, with regards to a particular element of the tasks, then you can say, okay, actually, this way is a good way to do it. You should do this instead. And that's, I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important. And that's what I've heard a lot of uh, podcasters, such as like JLD, John Lee Dumas, he's talked about this, this idea of, yeah, actually, to begin with, at least delegating or outsourcing the stuff that you can do yourself. So you're not just kind of flying in the dark and saying, you know, I was just thinking of an example, like if you outsource a piece of work to do a podcast that you have no idea how to do it yourself, then it's hard to kind of keep the virtual assistant accountable because you don't know if they're doing a good job. So that's particularly, yeah, that's something I think is uh, useful to, to bear in mind if you're looking to outsource work. Awesome, Scott. And real quick, the last question I'm going to ask you before we wrap up here, how are you, how are you acquiring your guests? What, how are you getting good qualified people within your niche to come on your show? Instagram, social media, personal connections you have, how are you doing it? It is primarily Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. I've been on Instagram sort of taking it more seriously for like the last year and a half. Um, because I was doing something like another project before the podcast. So I've kind of naturally sort of built those connections over the, yeah, it's, it's taken sort of 18 months. And when I say like build connections, it's been a very organic process. I've, you know, I've been interacting with people sort of in their comments, you know, if they post a really good bit of content and I'll just like naturally, because I like it, I'll just say, oh, that's really cool. And maybe, you know, be a bit more specific with that comment. Or if they post something in their Instagram stories, then it's like, okay, it's just like checking it out and being interested. And something someone told me, uh, I can't actually remember who it was. They said, strive to understand before being understood. And it's really powerful. And that's something I try to bear in mind when I'm looking to sort of make a new connection. You know, somewhat, if you're taking an interest in someone and you're commenting on their posts, then I think naturally people will just check out your stuff and they'll be curious as to what you're doing. So I found that to be particularly useful. And then uh, just kind of friends as well, particularly like uh, when I was first starting with a podcast, I'm quite lucky that I've got a lot of really kind of cool friends doing some really cool like businessy projects. So just asking them. And typically I found, I don't know if you found this as well, but if you reach out to someone, I'd say nine times out of 10, they're going to agree to come onto your podcast because it's a great platform for them. You know, you're helping them get their message out to, to more listeners or to more uh, people. And it's, it's free, <laughs> free piece of marketing in many ways. So uh, I think it's something, you know, I get asked this a lot as well. Like, you know, how do you get guests onto your show? And it's as simple as just asking. <laughs> it really is that simple. And obviously there will be some people, you know, I've asked uh, some sort of more celebrity figures, I guess. And, you know, they haven't got back to me, but that's absolutely fine. And something I always say to people who ask me is you've literally got nothing to lose by asking, you know, what's the worst that can happen? They might just ignore you. It's like, well, big deal. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I've done it. Um, I'll be curious to find out how you've uh, managed to kind of reach out and to find guests as well. It has been mostly through LinkedIn primarily. And then I'm just starting to delve into Instagram. Yeah. I'm trying to build up my Instagram following, not, not on Facebook at all. So right, LinkedIn, yeah. Instagram, and then there is, I think it's called Spotted Guest, is an online community. Uh, I have an app on my phone, Spotted Guest. If you haven't checked it out, download the, the app is under, the parent company is Mighty Networks, and it's just a whole bunch of podcasters and guests that kind of talk about their shows, being on each other's shows. And 
it is an okay community, but I've still found LinkedIn and Instagram to be a little better. Okay, that's interesting. I might check them out. Um, you mentioned Facebook, actually. Something else I've started to do more recently is actually jumping into Facebook groups relating to podcasting. So I actually deleted my Facebook like probably a year ago. I was like, oh, you know, I just, I just never used it. None of my friends used it. But then uh, I was sort of encouraged to join this particular podcasting group that one of my uh, friends had set up. So I did. And, uh, and it's actually been a great way to sort of interact with other podcasters, finding out what they're doing, uh, getting tips from them, uh, you know, about anything podcasting related and ultimately kind of building more connections. And uh, there's been a couple of people I've kind of reached out to who are going to be appearing on the podcast. And that's, yeah, purely through Facebook groups. So I'm with you. I don't really like Facebook, but for the group section, it's actually, it's quite a useful um quite a useful way to find podcast guests I found. I know I despise Facebook, but everybody, all podcasters are telling me that like the groups are so good. And I just, mm. I still, I'm not going to take that step of having a Facebook just for that aspect. So I'm trying to use LinkedIn groups, mediocre engagement in those, but mm. uh, you know, I found Instagram being pretty, pretty good with people getting interest, searching hashtag podcaster podcasters and finding people who have podcasts and and going about it that way. All right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Using the search function. It's a powerful tool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, that wraps up all the questions I have for you, Scott. So kind of in conclusion here, where can people go to check you out online, hear your podcast? And I know they would love to know. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. Um, I just direct people to my website. I think from there, you'll find all of my sort of social media handles and I've recently put out some content around how I managed to get into the top 10 of uh, Apple Podcasts within six days. So if you're looking to check out that article, it's over 7,000 words. It took me ages to write, but I had so many people asking me, like, how did I do it? And I figured it'd be a good way to kind of give back, share some of my knowledge with with listeners and people who've supported me. So if you want to check that out, it's at scottstockdale.co.uk forward slash rank. And like I say, from there, you'll find all my social media handles, et cetera, et cetera. Outstanding. I'm going to have all that stuff in the show notes. So listeners, just click in the show notes. You can go check out Scott and what he has going on. Scott, it's been an honor and a privilege, man. Thanks for being on the show. Most welcome, Ian. Thank you so much. Hey there, my llama friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talking Llama podcast. If you want to learn more about Talking Llama media, please head to our website at talkingllama.com. If you find value in this show, please subscribe so that you stay up to date with all new episodes. And if this content really speaks to you, share it with a friend or consider leaving a review. Doing this not only spreads the Talking Llama message, but who knows, could possibly help someone take their first step in starting their own podcast. If you really want to take your support for Talking Llama Media to the next level, I would be extremely grateful if you joined the Talking Llama Herd and became a patron. We have three levels of Patreon tiers, all of which give you access to unique, additional Talking Llama content. Thank you so much for your support. Stay confident, stay creative, and most importantly, speak your legacy. See you next time.